0: The message today is a continuation of the message of Esther because this book is all about one thing. And it's hard to see because the book has so many diverse lessons. It's just enjoyable reading. From one moment to the next, there's tension. It could be a movie. Now, that said, the book is about a principle, and that is that one man just would not bow. One man, knowing he's a Jew just refused to do what everybody else. And it's right there in the book. It said that this Haman required everyone to bow, and they did. But this guy Mordecai, uh uh-uh, I'm not bowing. Why won't you bow? Because I'm a Jew, and I only bow to God. So he would not bow. And that is basically the setting of the story, that some guy would not bow. There's an interesting story in the Bible that dovetails exactly with this and explains it. In Genesis, you have the story of two guys that are brothers. And one guy goes in, deceives his daddy, and steals the blessing from Esau. His name is Jacob. And now, with this deception, Esau is whopping furiously mad. And Jacob and the mother realize that. Because Esau is out to murder Jacob. He says it. And so now, in this fear, the mother sends Jacob away and he runs away to his uncle's house. He lives there for many years. He gets extremely prosperous. God blesses him left and right. He recognizes it, even though he's a shady character himself. But he sees the hand of God. He gets married, he has children. Everything is bountiful and a prosperity beyond his imagination. But then there's a turn of events that I find, I am telling you, I find it remarkable. This guy heads back home as per instructions from God. And who is he going to meet? Esau, the injured brother from so many years before. And Jacob, who meets God face to face whom God has protected, who he would not let his uncle cheat him. I mean, he's living under the grace of God, and he knows it. The blessing is observable. He knows it. He sees God. Well, here comes Esau, and would you think of it? This is where the story gets unbelievable regarding Mordecai. This guy, Jacob, causes his entire family... Wives, children, everybody to bow down in front of Esau. What a picture. A Jew. A Jew with the favor of God on him. So scared. But he just met God. Doesn't matter. He just saw angels. Doesn't matter. He's terrified. And he causes his wife and children and he himself to lie prostrate in front of them and bow in servitude to Esau, a man of the world. What a spiritual lesson. What a tragic story. What a moment in the Bible of shame, terrible, sad, pathetic. But one son, Mark it, of Jacob did not bow it's right there in the bottom. One boy who was going to have a tribe named after him did not bow. And his name is Benjamin because he had not been born yet. So Benjamin was not there in this humiliating moment. What does that have to do with Esther? Well, what tribe was Mordecai? Mordecai was from the tribe of Benjamin. So you have the, yeah, it deserves that. Benjamin, son of my right hand, that would qualify as Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. He wasn't about to bow to anybody. So God ordains that the only full brother of Joseph, typifying God, this one, the son of the right hand, gets 10 amounts of clothing, 10 messes when he's sitting there, blessed beyond his stocks, because they're of the same, the only one with the same mother and the same father, the mother being the church. What a story God has caused to evolve to show us why Mordecai, not only would he not bow, but the grammar in Hebrew is amazing because the grammar, the tenses in this language, in this story of him not bowing is in reference to Benjamin, because this is their grammar, how it's used if you didn't bow initially, you will never bow. So this story is saying, my God, the church was designed never to bow. So why are we bowing? That's the question. Why don't we see the humiliation that we bow to the world, we're scared of the world, the world this, the world that, my Bible says we're the head, not the tail. Doesn't your Bible say you're more than a conqueror? Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say no weapon formed against you shall prosper? But here's the issue. We don't know this. This is a matter of faith. Mordecai was willing to risk his life. I'm not bowing. I don't dare, nor will I bow. You see, the story of Esther, it's a prophetic story, not just historical. Anytime. time... The word Purim, remember, is that's, they celebrate that f- festival in light of the victory of the deliverance. And when you see Esther, it's a prophetic story telling us that whenever you need a deliverance, if you see Esther delivered, if you see the nation of Israel and Mordecai delivered, rest assured, then you can be delivered as well. If you see the faithfulness of God in Esther, you then conclude, I have the faithfulness of God in my life as well. But... Both were willing to take a chance. Both were obedient. Both knew what they were and they were not going to bow. Even when her knees buckled. What a phrase. Ah, to heck with it. If I die, I die. But I'm going to do the right thing. Where are those Esthers and Mordecais? Because the church hasn't changed. The church has the same prophetic promise and covenant it's always had. Always. The church was always designed to be Israel. The church was always designed to be Jewish, a spiritual Jew. We have a better covenant than the natural Jew. But why is that nation? God said, when you see the fig tree blossom, no, no. I repeat, and it should be repeated daily. That nation didn't exist for 2,500 years plus. It was gone the way God said it would be. And then he said he would regather them from all over the world, it's happened. He said it would in the middle of a desert. And boy, if you study history, all it was was sand. Nothing. No trees, no water, no fruit. Sand. Look at it today. The top fruit-producing country in the world. The top flower-producing country in the world. Planting more trees than any other country in the world. She's the size of Jackson Heights. How the heck is this country doing it? Because somehow or another, these people still believe in the Old Testament. We have a better covenant and the Christian's knees shake. I'm serious, no disrespect. I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, you don't have faith. I'm trying to say that the body at large, this is all about believing in the faithfulness of God. I repeat to you, if you can see the faithfulness of God in the story of Esther, then you can see the faithfulness of God in your life and you have to apply it as such. But there was a motive here. Even with Jacob in Genesis, the motive was to build a nation. I'm gonna call you Israel. You have favor with man and God. You've prevailed. For what purpose? To have those sons, so you build the nation. There was a purpose to build the nation. Christians, when it started, we overtook the world. Toppled country after country, dynasty after dynasty, kingdom after kingdom, no weapons, nothing just the gospel the power of God just can you imagine but they believed it they weren't ashamed they would go and fly by I mean running to town after town and stand in the squares pray for the sick preach the gospel and God manifested go figure God was faithful to his word they had an assignment Esther Mordecai had an assignment to save a nation They were not going to allow the Jewish people to be trampled on and destroyed. And they risked their lives as such. Today, Christians, there's nothing different. No one's asking you to risk your life. but We are asking you, God is asking you for a portion of your time to pray for the sick, to heal. We've had testimony after testimony because of your faithful prayers. That little prayer in the morning, five minutes is healing more people than we've ever seen healed. That Psalm 91 being said for two minutes in the morning is yielding results that are unimaginable. We have an assignment, ladies and gentlemen. It is to be the Benjamin tribe. Which tribe are you? Think about it spiritually, which tribe are you? Are you the ones that cower and afraid, bow down to the world? Somebody tells you you're getting fired and you get scared? If somebody tells you you're getting fired, whisper me under your breath, sweetie. That curse just returned to you. Bye, you're gone. Say it under your breath. Stand your ground. God won't let me get fired. Instead, I'm getting a promotion. Say it within. Stand your ground. Be Mordecai. Be Esther. Fired. Bubby, I'm getting a promotion. Wait till you see this. You don't have to confront anybody. It's in the spirit. But in the spirit, have faith. Stop cowering. Stop bowing. Stop being, you know, under someone's thumb. Uh, The circumstances may be difficult for you. They certainly were for Mordecai. Good Lord. I mean, he never counted on every one of the Jews being slaughtered. Looked horrible. The Jews were in the hand of Haman. Can you imagine? But Haman did not understand the principle of this Bible the faithfulness of Almighty God Jesus Christ, that he would never let his people down, never let them be ashamed, never let a weapon formed against them prosper. Haman did not understand, those are my kids. You think you have them now because you say you have power? Well, I haven't written the end of the story yet. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a phrase. God's not done with you just yet. He's just starting with you. Why don't you give him a chance and say, I'm Mordecai, I'm Esther do it because really you have been born for such a time as this these are the end times no one is telling you to not pay attention to your life your job your success your career go for it god put that desire in your chest but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then everything will be added unto you mordecai ended up being the richest guy in the country did you hear what I said? He went from sitting in someone's doorway to being the richest man in the country because somebody's going to stick up for God and God's going to say, if you stick up for me, I'm going to stick up for you. You show me a little bit of faith and I'm going to show you a bunch of miracles. If we'll just give God something to work with. Stop doubting. Stop being fearful. I know someone who, you can't believe this story. This guy, they go and they tell him all oh, You have, it looks like you have symptoms from the virus. He goes, what? Who told you that? Well, you're coughing. Because I got something stuck in the back of my throat. What is wrong with you? I don't have any virus. Somebody, uh, someone else hears something like that and they want to go run, be tested. Why don't you try this? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Why don't you try that? You may be shocked when it works. I'm very serious. You see, I said it last week. I hope you hear it. Let it resonate. When a Jew acts like a Jew, the natural cannot hold him down. When a Christian acts like a Christian, all the natural things, limitations, are nothing to a true Christian. Nothing. Not when you act like a Christian. If you're just going to say I'm a Christian and not act like a Christian... The natural world that left at you, the seven sons of Sceva. They think that they can rebuke in the name of Paul, the God. And the, the demon looked at him and go, who the hell are you? And he beat the 11, I mean, just slaughtered them. But a Christian? The devil ain't even in that same room. He takes off when he sees a real Christian. When a Christian acts like a Christian, there are no natural limitations. It's just people say they're Christian. Oh boy, I hope you get, I don't, I don't, I wish I had better words. I really do. I really do. Because it's so simple that it may just sail over our heads like a 747. What would you think? It's a stupid illustration. I admit it in advance. I'm a carpenter. Wow, you're already, yeah. Do you work with wood? No. Oh, you're a carpenter. Yeah. Do you have carpentry tools? No. But, Ray, maybe I'm misunderstanding something. You say you're a carpenter? Sure. Do you build tables or chairs or beds or bureaus or anything with wood? No. Wait a minute. Say it again. You're a carpenter? Absolutely, I'm a carpenter. But... Do you do anything regarding carpentry and the essence of carpentry? No. Okay, but you're a carpenter. Yeah. Well, there's something wrong with the screws and Ray's head, obviously, right? And you know, that's not real. You're either deluded or, you know, you, you got a problem. Christian, you're a Christian. Yeah. Do you do what a Christian is supposed to do? No. I go to church. So's the chair. <laughs> like a carpenter builds, a Christian builds. Okay. Jesus was a carpenter, why do you think? He's about building the tabernacle of Moses, the temple of Solomon, the temples, building us, You've taken on the nature of Jesus Christ. Now, we're still stuck with a rotten nature. We all know that, right? We all got that lower base nature sometimes, no? Of course not. i we're perfect people over here. Got it. Thank you. I got one. You got it. Okay. I'm going to grab onto that one. You got it. Amen. Me too. Right? You, I got yours. You got mine. Okay. The point is, is that you, you take on the nature of Jesus. And look what he did. He gave his life to save people. He even says it. I came to seek, my purpose to seek the lost and save the lost. All throughout the Bible, to build a church, a called out company. That's what the word Ecclesia means. Called out of the world to me, to accomplish my mission with the body of Christ. The Bible says, as the father sent me, I sent you. Says it twice. So now, when you get born again, and then get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whose purpose is, according to God, I'm not, you know, it's not an interpretation, that these are His words, that I give you the Holy Spirit, so you can have power to witness me, to testify and speak of me, to save people from me, to lay hands on the sick and heal them to my glory. You'd now have the empowerment of my spirit that i received at the baptism of john to save the world now you have the nature and the holy spirit's nature okay you're a christian right yeah do you do any of that no i don't witness i leave that to other people i'm embarrassed i'm shy i do it in my own way have you ever heard that one once you at least testify give out no i do my own way okay what what it is your own way (laughs) And you're gonna figure out it was your way pretty soon. So, if you have a born again experience and a Holy Spirit experience, how can you possibly say you're that, but you never do the essence of what it is to be a Christian? How could you say you're a Christian? How? Don't be self deceived. You know how many people have gone on to be in the eternal bliss and they're shocked? They're shocked. Matthew 25, you never visited me, you never healed me, you never gave me a coat, you never ministered to me, you never took me to church, you never cared about me, you never visited me in prison, you never did a darn thing. And they go, what are you talking about? That's me. That boy is me, John is me, Mary is me, and you ignored me. Depart from me, I never knew you. That's in the New Testament. So many warnings, the parables of the talents, the pounds, so many wedding guests without the robe, so many stories all alluding to, don't be fooled. Just cause you say you're a Christian, I can get a parrot to say, I received Jesus in the name of Jesus. I can get a parrot to say it. I'm not kidding. I can get a dog to say, do you receive the Charlie doggy? Yeah, I do. I can get a horse, right? Is Jesus Lord? How does that make you a Christian? The Bible says in James, show me that you're a Christian by your works. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, please, we are all gonna bow. Oh, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you will either bow now to God and stop bowing to men to your own lust your own weakness that we all make excuses forgive me you'll stop bowing to that to fear that's ridiculous when the bible says i didn't give you a spirit of fear so let me add the bible according to me where the hell did you get that interpretation that fear came from god when he says i did not give you a spirit of fear so where'd it come from Where did it come from? I didn't give that to you. I gave you a spirit of power and a sound mind. But, but, if we're not going to do it, and if we're just going to continuously bow to a spirit of the world and fear and whatever they program us with, rather than reading the Bible, asking God to talk to you, asking God to give you faith, Because without faith, you'll never please Him. Without faith, you'll never rise. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. Your emotions, man, they can shift every 30 seconds. You can be scared stiff one minute and foul the next. But a decision of faith, I know in whom I've placed my trust. I say Psalm 91 and I believe it. His word is my shield and buckler. He is my Lord, my refuge. My strong tower. He'll never allow a weapon to be formed against me. My God will protect me just like He protected Esther. Better. Better, because I'm in the New Testament and I'm His wife. I'm not the King's wife. I'm God's wife. And if you see God protecting this woman there, ah, but there's the butt. Should I give you the butt now or after Pastor Marty speaks? Because here's the butt. Here's the butt. You see, there are two queens in this book, two extremely beautiful women, the highest and the best in all of the kingdom, and what a kingdom span the earth. But one of them, while she was his queen, she would not do his bidding. When called to display her beauty, she refused. She said, I'm busy having my own party over here my own interests, my own life, I can't come now. She did not recognize, listen, please, please recognize this. She did not recognize that that house that she was having the party in, her gorgeous robes, her makeup, her crowns, her jewelry, her attendants, the curtains, the couches, the goblets, were all given to her by her husband, her house, was really her husband's house. And that only depicts that even the shirt on your back, the shoes on your feet, belong to God. He's just letting us use it. And he says, the earth and its fullness, it's mine. So he's so gracious that he gives us beautiful things and friends and wonderful food and drink and associations and technology and sports and movies and art, but it's all his. She did not have that awareness and she confronted her husband with a no. Instantly, ladies and gentlemen, it did not take long. It's almost a shipwreck watching. It's sad. Instantly, the verdict comes. Divorce! It was that quick. Thank God we're on the New Testament side but it was that quick. And instantly he said, find me another. One that when I call and summon, she will recognize you have that position because of me. And when I summon you, you come. Come with a cheerful heart. Come with a giving desire to please me. Come buoyant with joy that I've called you. What a privilege. What an honor to be able to say, I am a Christian. What an honor. What a badge to wear. Ladies and gentlemen, please recognize this. In the New Testament, it's one of the most tragic scriptures you can read. And Jesus is speaking of this wonderful Jewish nation that kept saying, no, 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 no. And finally, God wrote in the New Testament, applicable to us. He didn't want to reap it. And he wrote, I will take the kingdom away from those that will not give me fruit, and I will give it to those that will give me fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, give them fruit. Be Mordecai, because the day will come that you will bow. Stop bowing, stand up straight, take your husband's hand, And realize he'll never let a hair in your head be touched. If you see the faithfulness here, you can see the faithfulness in your life.